Creative Studio, episode 405, recording your narrative podcast. We were always looking for sound bites. Asking the right questions to allow the guests to tell the story. I think that's the bigger sin. And so that's why I literally just started recording the conversations. Welcome to the Creative Studio, where we conduct experiments with podcasting. We are in the middle of our fourth season, where we're talking about narrative podcasting. If you're new to the show, I'd recommend going back to the first episode of this season, because each episode builds on the previous one, at least to some extent. So far, we've already looked at what a narrative podcast is and whether you should do this format or not. We also looked at the overall workflow or uh, roadmap of a narrative podcast. In the last two episodes, we looked at the planning and the preparation that needs to go into a successful narrative. And those set up what we need to talk about today, which is going to be looking specifically at the recording aspect. Jessica Rhodes and Corey Coates are the hosts of the Podcast Producers Podcast. They are conducting interviews for their second season, which is now almost over. But for the first season, they did a narrative or documentary style. We had, uh, I think it was 27 or 28 interviews on, on our series. And we thought a lot about the types of people that we wanted to have on. Um, and so when you're thinking about what types of interviews you want to have, you, you know, your guests are, they are the show. <laughs> so when you have a narrative based podcast where you're featuring a lot of different guests, you need to be okay with not being the front and center spotlight. And I suppose that you can produce so however you want and you can be the spotlight. We were always looking for sound bites, ultimately. We want those one, two, three good phrases out of them in a 20, 30 minute conversation that is gonna be usable. Um, there were a couple surprising elements to it though. We imagined that we're speaking to someone on this subject and had the bullets and the questions we wanted to go through. But we ended up going off track and talking about so many other cool things about podcasting that became gold. And Jessica and I conferred, you know, two, three times a week about how our interviews were going and continued to come back and say, I just had a great you know, talk with so-and-so for 30 minutes about advertising. But we spent maybe two-thirds of the time talking about all of these other things that fit into the other shows. When I go back, we, we've been releasing the raw and uncut episodes and the first couple interviews I did, you know, we're super stiff and, um, and, and you're just, you know, you're doing this podcast, Josh, you're going to see that at the end of all your interviews, you're going to be so, not to say that you're not good, but you're going to be so much better at the end mm -hmm. after doing all these interviews. The difference in doing a narrative style podcast, the interviews are not meant to just be heard raw and uncut. You're going to take different parts of the conversation and put them throughout the series. So it's not this flowing conversation that people are have. It feels a little choppy, right? As we're recording this right now, it's a little choppy because you're going to take different things that I'm saying and put them into the right episodes. So keep that in mind. So you kind of got to play a little bit loose and fast and you can get away with it when you're doing something that's so heavily edited and produced largely because you're not bringing that guest on as the sole guest for that one episode where you both have to be stellar. As an interviewer, you don't have to be on. You know, you don't have to ask the immaculate questions perfectly phrased, and they don't have to give you that perfect flow of answers, you know, that leads from beginning to the end of the show like you would in an interview format that you're hoping for. The tip that I heard Mark Marin from WTF say is when you're interviewing 
really listen and let your guests do as much of the talking as possible, especially, you know, in a narrative based podcast. If you're doing a conversational interview podcast, it's going to be a back and forth. But when you're recording interviews that you're going to, uh, you know, cut up and, and put out into a, you know, a narrative based series podcast, um, let your guests do as much of the talking as possible. The way Corey and I did it was we were kind of the, uh, I don't know if Corey would describe it this way, but I kind of felt like we were like the puppeteers, you know, we were asking the right questions to allow the guests to tell the story. We weren't coming in saying, this is how it is. This is our opinion. We would contribute um, our own uh, thoughts and conversation, but most of the podcast was asking the right questions so the guests could tell their story. So we were really strategic and careful about having guests on from a variety of different um, categories of podcasts. We wanted to have guests of different experience levels. We wanted some well-known names, but we also wanted people that weren't super famous and weren't super successful because there are a lot of shows out there that their number one goal is they want the biggest guests ever. They want the biggest names and that's how they're going to be successful. Well, at the end of the day, in my humble opinion, a good podcast is one with good content, good production quality, good sound quality, and a host who really, really digs their show, not just a big name. You know, here you can have a 30 minute conversation that stays, you know, on point, but also allows it to drift off point. The hardest thing I think for a lot of podcasters is to uh, do the antithesis of what we're podcasting for. And that's to shut up, you know, just don't talk, ask a question, allow the, the guests to speak. And then we have a tendency because of natural conversation to try and jump back in and you know, ask a follow-up question or, or, you know, relate a story about ourselves and how we understand. The best thing to do though, Joshua, is just like sit back and shut up. And after they finish the question, this is a great interview trick. Just pause for two seconds and you'll see almost every time that a guest will elaborate on what they just said. And the second thing that they say in the elaboration is almost 10 times more profound than the original question and the original answer that you got. Oh, and then the other, <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to say is the be Corey taught me this: the best part of your interview, the best stuff, is going to come after at least fifteen minutes. So if you can have your interviews go for a minimum of thirty minutes, now sometimes you're going to get you know really great guests, and you can only get them on the horn for thirty minutes. But if you can have someone on with you for an hour. The stuff that comes after that 15, 20 minute mark is going to be the best. So listen really, really carefully. Let your guests do as much of the talking as possible and and stay on the phone with them for as long as you can. I mean, not an extremely long time. We all have stuff to do, but uh, stay on for longer than 15, 20 minutes because you're just breaking the ice after that first few minutes. Jessica Rhodes is also the founder of Interview Connections a service that connects podcasters with guests. She also provides a lot of great information and resources for interviewing. One resource is a video series called Rock the Podcast from Both Sides of the Mic. This can help you with being both a host and a guest. Check it out at interviewconnections.tv. Besides having interview skills and techniques to get you the content that you need, 
An important aspect of interviewing is also having a way to record the content. There are several ways that you can be able to do this. One popular way is using Skype with a Skype recorder. You can just speak with a guest and the software can do the recording of the conversation for you. And it usually splits your side from their side, putting you in one half on the left side and then them on the right or uh, possibly vice versa. And this makes it a lot easier for editing later. This is how I did most of the interviews that I had for this series. I also use my cell phone with Corey Coates. And using a phone is not always the best idea, but it can work. And so I had my phone hooked up to my mixer so that both sides of the conversation could be recorded into my digital recorder. If your guest has the right equipment, you could also speak over the phone and then you can both record on your own side separately. That gives you the best quality of the recording. This is called a double ender. Another method that you can use is if you do in-person um, in interviews. And so for this, a portable digital recorder is really helpful. David Jackson even uses his iPhone's recording software as his portable recorder. If we look at startup, there's another, you know, one where they're they're doing this kind of narrative and all those guys, they record everything. So you're going to need some sort of portable recorder of some sort to uh, record. And you don't need, you know, they make a ton of these things ranging from 99 bucks to, you know, 400. You don't need to spend $400, but, and it's amazing. A lot of times the built-in microphones of these things uh, are actually really, really good. Now they pick up everything. That's the good news. And at times that's the bad news. But um, if you are going to be trying to do something where you want to, you know, capture your thoughts in the moment, you know, you can use a portable recorder. And actually, uh, your phone is actually a really good device sometimes. So it won't sound quite as good. But if you just want to capture your surroundings, I'm amazed at times because I'll use uh, my phone to just capture my thoughts. Like, hey, don't forget to, you know, whatever. I was listening to somebody's podcast and they mentioned a resource. Well, I don't have anything to write it down. So I'll just hit the voice recorder in my phone and, and, chime in whatever it is I don't want to forget. And I'm always amazed later when I listen to this, I'm like, that really doesn't sound that bad. And it was, you know, me in the car or something like that. So um, if that's something you're, you're going to be wanting to do, well, then you're going to need a portable recorder. Daniel J. Lewis also talks about using a digital recorder, but he emphasizes the importance of getting some good quality audio, at least audio that is good enough. He has some great tips to help with this. You look at different audio recording methods out there and how they're used in different senses. Uh, if you have an audio drama, it's very important that people be able to hear the spoken words very clearly, especially uh, with background noises and music and that kind of stuff going on. The spoken word needs to be clear and understandable. When you're doing a narrative and you're interspersing your narrative with clips from actual things that you recorded, the Audio doesn't have to be studio quality, but it does need to be listenable. So you can't expect to go to a bar and record a conversation between you and your friend. You're going to be yelling. It won't sound good. It will be very difficult to understand. But I think the biggest sin that can be made with this kind of recording is not getting the volume levels right. I hear this even with NPR podcasts and the NPR spinoff podcasts like Serial and Startup and other things like that, they don't have the volumes right. 
like they'll have their narrative section and it's at a certain volume and then they have a sound clip that they recorded somewhere and that's at a much quieter volume and you can't really hear what they're saying. I think that's the bigger sin instead of the audio quality. But with podcasting, we know that a good way to get better audio quality is get closer to the microphone. So whatever microphone you're able to use, just try to get it closer to the people. If you're hand-holding your audio recorder, try to point it at the person who's talking, point it back and forth. Or if you're sitting at a table, put it down on the table as close to both of you as possible and make sure that your voices are going toward that microphone. But even then, it could still be better maybe if you could point it back and forth. But if you get some echo, if you get some uh, reverb or some background noise, I don't think it's that much of a problem. And it, it really enhances it because it helps make it different from the studio voice. Like there's a studio sound, which is very clean, very present, very understandable. That's what we're getting right now with our, we're recording in our studios. And if I then have a different microphone that I use and I record that in a very quiet environment, the sound will just be a little bit off. And it just seems weird because I've gone from studio to not studio, but it sounds like it's a not studio trying to be a studio. And because it doesn't contrast very much, it actually creates some conflict. It's very simple, uh, very similar thing in the design industry, where if you want to contrast some text, you don't put 12 point font next to 14 point font. You put 12 point font next to 24 or 36 point font, make the contrast big. So with your audio quality and your audio recordings, try and make that contrast bigger so that people know just by the tone, the quality, the sound of the audio, that you're going from studio narrative to recorded live or recorded in person at whatever place that is. So people can more easily follow that and you don't have to do transitions then because the style of the sound is making that transition for you. Jeff Woods records a lot of audio for his podcast, The Mentee. It started as a personal mission to build passive income after his income got slashed by 40%. He sought out people that were already doing the things that he wanted and he had conversations with them. And I started to do that and just recognize that I was spending time with some incredibly influential people, some really high-level people. And the value that I could provide if I could just record those conversations, I knew would be tremendous. And so that's why I literally just started recording the conversations and started my podcast, The Mentee. But of course, as that started to scale and I got feedback from the listeners, I recognized that's what people really wanted to hear. They weren't necessarily just wanting to hear an interview, they wanted to hear private conversations that were genuine and, and conversations that have actually led to results in my life. I recognized I was going to document my journey from employed entrepreneur. I didn't know when I would end up becoming an entrepreneur. I didn't know when I'd be able to quit my day job, but I figured if I could just document the process, good things would happen. I had no idea how it would, how it would take place. And so there are these, as, as I went through that journey uh, over the last year, there were defining moments where I was going, holy crap, like this, something cool just really happened. I should just record my thoughts. Like the time when I was on the phone with Jay Papazan and he's telling me about how he and Gary Keller were looking for a CEO for their publishing company and I was just trying to connect him to my Rolodex. But when he described what they were looking for, I realized the person they were looking for was me. 
And as I hung up the phone, I, I sat in my car in silence for five minutes, which never happened. I just, I could not move. I had to digest what just happened. And I walked into my house, looked at my wife and said, honey, I think everything's about to change. And I wouldn't be surprised if we were going to move to Texas. One conversation, I didn't even tell him that I was interested in the job, but I knew in that moment everything was about to change. And I, I felt compelled in that moment to run into my office, grab my recorder, and document what had just happened. It, it, it's moments like that along my journey that were just so powerful that I'm going, I don't know if this will ever turn out to be anything, but I have to document it. And I've maybe only used, I don't know, 5% of the those little moments in the podcast. So when it comes to creating a narrative podcast, you need to do the preparation beforehand, like we mentioned in the previous episodes. When you're prepared, you'll have a better idea of where you're heading. And out on the wire, Jessica Abel interviewed a lot of people. One of the people was Ira Glass from This American Life. They obviously create a lot of narrative and journalistic audio. And talking about pre-planning the story, he said this. And if you want to make things that are really special, sometimes you invent like a fiction writer and then see if reality conforms to what you made up. And when it doesn't, obviously you report what's actually real. In other words, you can try to think of what the story is and what people may say. You line it up before you conduct your interview so that you have an idea of what you need and where you're going. When you're talking with people, that will guide you. But you also find the specific details and information. You'll find out the parts where you guessed wrong. Then you'll adapt your pre-written story to what you actually get. It's like working with a template. It won't be perfect, but it makes it easier to adjust and put the whole story together. I wish I read this book before I started this project. It would have made it a lot easier. Although I did do some of this in the pre-planning stage. I started with an outline of 10 main topics that I thought I wanted to cover. After doing the first few interviews, I realized that a couple of the topics were too close to be separated so I combined them. And I also discovered a couple other ideas that I wanted to delve into more. So I adjusted my outline and continued with the other interviews. After the interviews, I went through all the audio and cut the pieces out and categorized them. Since I was mainly following the outline, it was fairly easy to separate them, but sometimes the conversations shifted or we jumped out of order but at least there was a plan to start with. In the next episode, we'll be taking the next step, which is probably the most tedious part, the editing. If you remember back to episode two, when we covered the roadmap, there are many edits involved in a well-produced narrative. If you haven't already, I'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to subscribe in iTunes and leave an honest rating and review of this podcast. Also, if you found this helpful, it would be great if you can help others by sharing this with them. The show notes page can be found at creativestudio.academy slash 405. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you soon. God bless. Music.